Welcome to the show, Lenka and Anna. Hi. Hi, Dan. <laughs> so today we're going to talk about the privacy changes. Um, obviously, lots of people thinking about iOS 14 and the changes that Apple has kind of forced, but it feels like we're entering into a period of transition where advertisers have less visibility on, on and have less personal data um, at their disposal. But perhaps if we start at iOS 14, as that is kind of the trigger point for people thinking about it, what is this argument all about for those who've been living under a, a marketing rock? What is the, the fear about iOS 14? Well, I think that the main thing is that iOS 14 is offering users the possibility to um, to tell the apps not to track their information. So that's going to affect a lot of different apps, and mainly Facebook, because with Facebook ads, we use the user's information like their gender, their age, um, their interests and behaviors to target our ads. So that's going to make it difficult to optimize um, the ads and also to track the conversions and the actions that the users perform within the platform. So, you know, as a, as a business that does ads, they might hear that Facebook is no longer able to track everyone's behavior as they move across different websites and um, you know, different apps on, on their phones and their Apple devices. Why, why is that actually a big deal? What does it stop Facebook from being able to see and, and understand? And how does that impact us advertising? Well, it's going to impact different um, sides of Facebook uh, business, mainly because uh, for reporting purposes, we won't be able to have that many reporting tools as we did, we won't be able to track all the conversions. Mm. So for example, if a user says that they don't want to be tracked by Facebook app, um, then we won't be able to track that conversion, whether that conversion is um, a lead submission or a purchase on the website of the user, um, landing page views, those sorts of things. And that's for tracking and for reporting. So we won't be able to understand how the audience performs in the website of our clients. Um, and that, of course, if the user doesn't agree to accept the, the tracking, which um, I think a lot of users are not agreeing with. They are saying that they don't want to be tracked. Mm -hmm. And then also for the optimization of the ads, because with Facebook, we were able to create lookalike audiences or to do remarketing of the users that went to the website and those sorts of things. So we are also going to see a big decrease on the size of our remarketing audiences and of the lookalike audiences too. And those, I think, are the two main points that are going to be affected by iOS 14 release. So, so essentially, Facebook has always going to have less understanding over its users because it won't be able to see what their behavior is like on other apps. So constructing these lookalike audiences will be more difficult because they'll have fewer data points to kind of match users into, into different groups. And then on top of that, they won't have visibility on all the conversions that are happening off Facebook. So this, it feels like a pretty big moment which i think we can we, we can assume it is a big moment with the 
ferocity of Facebook's rebuke of this policy. You know, they've come out with full page ads in, in national press, haven't they, saying that Apple is, you know, killing small businesses and, and all this type of stuff. So, I mean, what what's actually going to happen here? Are we just going to see Facebook create a workaround and this will all just go away? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I think we, we have already seen a Facebook uh, workaround. They have been preparing users for the last couple of months. So we have been getting alerts from Facebook to prepare for these changes, um, to verify the domain, to select um, which uh, conversion event is the most important for our account. So we are still, we will still be able to track some conversion events. And as long as we have completed all of Facebook's steps to be able to do that, it's just going to be a bit harder. So we are going to, we will have to learn to um, how to target the ads again with this new policy and with this new restriction. But I think it's going mm -hmm. to be fine as long as we, as long as we complete uh, some steps and we keep tracking the information using maybe different tools like Google Analytics and tracking the ads with UTM code, we might get less visibility from Facebook uh, platform, but we will still have the metrics on Google Analytics on, or on the website's backend. It will depend on how we set up everything. So you mentioned their UTM codes and, and tracking using Google Analytics. And I guess this will give us a, an overall picture of which channels. We'll still be able to measure the aggregate performance of, of Facebook. But I guess what we maybe won't get so much is the by campaign, the, the resolution that we have on each campaign to be able to test as well. So, you know, I know Facebook has come out with things like aggregate event management, uh, aggregate event measurement. Could you could you talk us through what this is and, and how this tries to kind of attempt to replicate what we're losing? Yeah. So we now can set up up to eight com uh, conversion events on our account. And what we need to do with that is to choose which are the conversion uh, events which are more important to us. So we need to prioritize them. And one of the latest updates about iOS has said that, um, for Facebook, of course, has said that if a user doesn't accept the tracking, we will still be able to track our priority um, conversion events. So the first one that we set, the main one, is going to be tracked anyway. So we need to do that setup for this type of purposes. And also, um, we still be able to, to measure and to, um, to track um, the information for the users that accept the tracking for all the events that we set, mm -hmm. but we will be able to optimize the campaign only for those eight conversion events that we set as a priority. So that's going to be the main change. We we will need to select eight, eight conversion events like purchases or add to, to cart or lead submissions, content views, those sort of things and prioritize them from Facebook tool. So that way we will have the information and we will still be able to track, but we will be more limited than we were before. Yeah. So, oh, sorry. <laughs> no, go on, go on. I just go on. wanted to add so that 
I believe that this aggregated event measurement is basically trying to um, to support the app and web-based conversions by limiting the transition of sensitive data. Um, so while still kind of supporting the advertising goals. Um, so we won't be able to basically track as personal data as we were perhaps up until now. Mm. Mm-hmm. And Lenka on this, like how much of this is about performance and how much of it is about tracking like if you think about how this is going to impact our ability to run profitable facebook ad campaigns for clients is it actually going to impact that or is it mostly just going to impact on the reporting side of things in other words we'll still be able to do the things that we've been doing we just won't be able to show you know all of this budget is attributed to facebook we'll have to go broader with you know with the tracking and the reporting yeah and this is what i believe that you know obviously we're not going to be able to see as many conversions recorded in within the platform but it doesn't mean that there will be no conversions so we kind of still need to keep an eye on the overall performance of of the website and marketing links obviously depends how heavily you um rely on facebook ads Okay, let's talk about some practical tips then that will make life after this rollout has happened um, easier for marketers and business owners. Like, what are some of the things that marketers should actually do now that this is our new normal? Yeah, so I think that um, we should definitely start by completing Facebook verification process, domain verification. This can be done by adding uh, tags to the website. Um, that's just uh, paying attention to Facebook colors and following the steps to verify the domain and to make sure that we have completed everything to have the conversion tracking in place. Um, then also we need to pay attention to the attribute, attribution setup because um, Facebook has been tracking attributions with a 28-day window so far until now. And with the new iOS update, we will be able to have only a seven-day window for the attribution um, setup of the conversion. So this means that for reporting, when we go into the Facebook Ads platform, we will see um, some campaigns, the previous campaigns that we have run with a 28-day attribution window, and the current campaigns, the new ones, with a seven days attribution window. So that's going to make the, the data seem confusing because we won't be able to see the total mm-hmm. of the data in the platform. So we need to just manually go into Facebook Ads platform and change all the attribution to seven days. And that way we will be able to see all the information as we did before and have the total in place. And it will be better for reporting and to get the, the actual results of our campaign um so that's what about the, the other second. ways of so yeah 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 go on other ways of other ways of tracking are there any alternatives that we can be using yeah so i mentioned before EPM code so this needs to be set up manually from the app from um, so we have the campaign structure, then we have the ad group, and then we have the ads, and the UPM code needs to set, be set up at um, ad level. So we will need to create UPMs and then and 
place in the UPM in the ads, and with that we will be able to track the ads within within Google Analytics and see the information in Google Analytics platform. So, I mean, you mentioned they're using UTMs for for different ads and different ad groups and campaigns. So this this will essentially give us the visibility that we've always had, right? You could still track individual ads. You could still track individual campaigns and ad groups, right? I guess you wouldn't see necessarily what sort of person has converted on there, but you'd see which campaigns and which ad groups are performing, right? Yeah, so you will be able to see the conversion events, but you won't be able to to use that information, to use the information of the users to optimize the campaign. Mm. So that's going to be to still be an issue, but at least you will have the information on the conversions and you will be able to to get the results from Google Analytics. What else can what else can people do um, after iOS 14 update has rolled out to, to kind of mitigate this? Um, for reporting purposes, as we won't uh, have that much information about um, the performance of our audiences, um, and that's going to be limited. We can use breakdowns of the uh, on the Facebook ads platform, so we can break down by device or by gender or by age, those sorts of things, just to get a better understanding of the audiences that we are targeting and how they perform in the platform. And that will be use, useful to manually optimize the app because until now we were relying a lot on Facebook's algorithm and how it was, um, how it optimized everything automatically. Uh, for the placement and for the audiences that we were targeting, but now we have we need to have a better understanding on who is your our target customer, who, how do we find it on Facebook, and we need to do this setup manually. I wonder, Anna, this this seems to point to a trend of reducing reliance on automatic algorithmic targeting, and even in some cases, algorithmic ad creation and you know, creative creation. And it seems to be like we've, in digital marketing, we've moved more and more towards giving just blank checks to algorithms to go and create the ads and find the audiences and do this type of thing. And now we're talking about going into the ad manager and looking at actually who is converting and doing a lot of this stuff manually. Do you think we're going to go back to a time where we are understanding our customers and, and we're being more being more like marketers rather than just trusting the algos. <laughs> yeah, I think that's going to be the case, and it's actually better because um, until now we had we needed to to follow the best practices set by Facebook and to to put the ads on automated placements because that meant that they were going to perform better and all. But sometimes you really want to select the placements manually or you really mm. want to define the audience manually instead of selecting a lookalike audience. So that's going to give us more control to advertisers and it's going to be better to actually understand who we are targeting. So that's going to be an improvement, I think. Super interesting. I, I actually think that's one of the at the moment, everyone marketers are thinking, oh, we're losing all this visibility, but I think it's going to force us to go back and understand our, our audience more and rely less on data that we don't even have visibility on, right? Um, 
So I think I think at long term it'll be a really positive step. Um, conversions API for Facebook. Th this this is a a sort of partial workaround, right? Do you want to talk about yeah. how how that works and what people can do with it without mm -hmm. getting too technical? Actually, <laughs> yeah, I will try. Um, actually, this solution was available before. It's not something new that we need to be doing. It's just that now that we will have less information, it's good to actually do it so we can have something at least to to track. Um, so setting conversions API from Facebook Ads platform can be done from the business settings and then from the event uh, side on the data sources um, option. So that is as technical as I will get, I promise. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. But what does it do, so Anna? How does it don't... work? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so once you go there, you can um, do an automated setup with actually with the server side of your website. So for example, you can connect to, uh, to WordPress or to Shopify or to the platform that you are using, and you will be able to track the conversions from the server side instead from the browser side. So for example, if the user is navigating through Safari or through Google Chrome and they have a, an ad blocker or something like that, you won't be able to see the conversion if you don't have conversions API settings. But if you do the conversions API settings, then you will be able to track the conversion because you're tracking it from the server, not from the browser. So even if the browser is blocking the, the conversion tracking, you still will have that information on the server. So that's going to be useful. How bulletproof is that? Is that the thing that says we don't need to worry about any of this stuff? No, <laughs> definitely not. <laughs> so <laughs> it's just to have more information. And so we, we now have all this, uh, limitations and we will have less information about how the users interact on the website and, and so so set doing this setup and following this step will give us more information at least something to optimize and something to report on and it will be useful to to keep the campaign the campaign's performance at a healthy level and to feel to understand how the users behave on the website. Got it. Got it. Okay, great. So obviously, you've got amazing perspective, both of you on on what's actually happening in client campaigns. And, and um, I think you're very well placed to give us a feel of, of what's actually happening out there in the wild since since these changes have rolled in or started rolling in. So, you know, what is actually happening in client accounts? What are the real world implications of this stuff? Um... To be honest, um, I think the biggest change we've seen was when the attribution model has changed from 28 days to seven days. But obviously, um, that has been done in January, even for some of mm. the accounts. And um, I think over the last couple of weeks or over the last month, ever since this um, update is rolled out, I personally haven't seen a huge a considerable drop in reported conversions or increase in CPA um, across my accounts. Um, I think this is um, probably 
um, the change in attribution model will be probably most well on accounts that have a longer purchasing uh, mm. journey. Um, I think this is one of the uh, main points to keep in mind. Yeah, well, I, you know, I guess if you're if you're buying almost anything that takes longer than seven days, you've got the potential that the ad that kind of brought you into the funnel doesn't get rewarded for the conversion. This feels like a a significant thing, and I guess illustrates the importance of having, um, you know, different different events tracked along along the the journey. But it makes it very difficult to optimize for those events if they don't lead to the ultimate event, which is obviously the sale. So you know what what are advertisers going to do about this this feels painful <laughs> <laughs> so um you know a conversion tracking to be honest it it, it never been 100% it never been perfect we we could in the past we couldn't probably measure um you know cross channel conversions or cross device conversions and you know as much as the privacy first measurement poses a challenge i think uh, like anna mentioned it's going to make us better marketers um mm. i also think that you know it, it's not just facebook google is moving to more um aggregated um event measure aggregated measurement as well um there isn't much information about it. I think there is, um, it's available in beta for some EU advertisers. Um, and there will be Google Marketing live stream this week, um, which I believe will tell us a bit more about the privacy safe, um, the new privacy safe measurement solutions. Um, but it's definitely something to, to keep in mind. This is, you know, we need to be responsible to, to users and to their data um, as well. Um, so it's important to understand, you know, what drives people's behavior, why are they coming to your website and how, um, we need to understand how they interact with your brand and what drives their purchasing behavior. Um, and this will enable us to create nicer and better targeted campaigns. And we need to measure the marketing mix. So we need to keep looking at the overall picture and how things are working together um and just to ensure because you know the user customer's journey is not at all straightforward um so according to a research published by mge shopper um they in 2019 according to them 81 percent of shoppers researched the product online before buying and this was in 2019 so imagine how i believe this bus has changed to like 100 percent now yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And so, you know, like if if the other day we were talking to him, I was like, what is a product that somebody would sell you, like a new product or a new service you would just go on the website and buy? You would probably go and check uh, several different sites just to ensure you get the best mm -hmm. um, solution to your um, problem or need. So it's, um, it's important to know that, um, you know, there are several touch points on the customer journey and we need to measure them all to understand where we need to put our advertising money. And as a, you know, as a fan of marketing, I kind of, I kind of get that because the more customers you talk to, the more you realize that people are really complex and they say, you know, my friend mentioned this and then I had a look at this and then I went on Google and I searched for it and then I found something else that was cool. And then I, 
went on Facebook and later I saw retargeting ad and then I went and searched for it. And you realize actually we, we've been looking always at, you know, run ad, make sale. And that's quite a, it's quite a linear way, isn't it? It's like the illusion that this, this data, the specific conversions column in the ad manager gives us is that, you know, press this button and sales come out. Whereas what we're doing is we're trying to impact this huge complex ecosystem where you do something over here and something pops up over here like 60 days later and this is we were hoping as marketers that having more data would allow us to understand this world better now we're faced with the prospect of having less data and trying to understand this world so it's it's a it's a scary thought but it's also exciting right (laughs) right Right. yes yes (laughs) um so like yeah exactly um, so like you said before, we used to, it, this is um, where the attribution modeling comes in place. So mm. the traditional, um, very old school model was the last click. So basically the last touch point would get all the credit. But this is a very unrealistic model as it essentially ignores all of the other channels or touch points that contributed to the sale. So um, there are obviously several attribution models currently available i would recommend to use any but last click because you know you you might really not know where your sales are coming from um so you for example have the tide time decay attribution model um where most of the credit sorry well where the most of the credit gets um is delivered to the touch point <laughs> sorry about that can we can we cut this okay. one out? Milenka, <laughs> you're a genius. I'm going to try and simplify it for our, our, our normal people listening. So let's say that five things happen between the user having an idea to buy something and buying it, right? And what we're saying is that we can't just give all the credit to the last thing that happens. Yeah. And the time decay attribution model, you really like it. So let's say, all right, um, I'm buying a new memory card. And someone says to me, you want a new memory card? And my camera says to me, you need a new memory card. So I go on Google and type memory card and I see one. And I think, oh, it looks all right. And then I go on Amazon and find it. And I'm like, oh, I wonder if I could get it cheaper back on Google. Search for it again. Later that night, I'm on Instagram, see a retargeting ad for the memory card, click it and buy mm-hmm. it. So there's like four steps that have happened there. How would the time decay attribution model reward each of those interactions? You don't need to give me specifics, just a general kind of vibe is is fine. So the touch point closes in time to the sale or conversion gets most of the credit. That's simple, no? <laughs> That's really simple. That's really simple. But the others, the others do get some credit. This isn't just pure last click where we say, ah. It's the Instagram ads. Those Instagram ads are killing it and everything else is just doing nothing. We, we give them all some credit, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I suppose what we're saying here is there's still no perfect attribution model, right? And as, as imperfect as last click was, no single model is always going to be right. And what we're essentially trying to do is square a circle in that this is always going to be a complex relationship between the advertiser and and the customer and it's going to be different there's going to be almost infinite number of variable possible journeys and do do, do us marketers like you ladies are ppc ninjas you're extremely data driven how do we think about the future and how do we get away from the fact that 
the visibility, that CPA number that we relied on is not going to be as reliable anymore? Do we just need to rethink marketing completely and wean ourselves off some of the data driven or, or, you know, wean us off our, our, our slavery to data? I think that the attribution models give you um, kind of a good idea of, you know, what's going on behind the scenes. And it's, you know, when you play around with it, you can see how different models affect your CPA, for example, which is super interesting. Mm. And in Google Ads, actually, so up until now, we were talking pretty much about Google Analytics, but in Google Ads, you have um, a data-driven attribution model. Obviously, this is only um, available to probably larger accounts. So I think you need to have like 400 conversions every month to be able to um, use the data-driven attribution model. But basically this gives credit to conversion based on how people engage with your um, various ads and decide to become your customers. Um, so this is really dynamic and it kind of knows um, how to add um, the points automatically rather than for mm. you to be guessing which model is best for me. And this way you can, and this is really, really good, especially when you're using automated bidding strategies as well. So if we're playing with different attribution models in Google Ads and we see that, you know, some are bringing us lower CPAs than we're, the one that we're using, does that tell us that's a good thing? To Does that tell us it's the right attribution model or does that just tell us it's giving us more favorable data? <laughs> So therefore, you know, it makes us happier. And <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it um, it shows us um, and makes us to understand the customer journey a bit better. So, um, you know, obviously it, it's favorable to us. But what we often see, especially if you have, for example, if you are running um, a campaign that's targeting brand searches, you will always see, for example, let's let's talk about an e-commerce shop and that has shopping ads that has dynamic ads has some marketing ads and then it's got a brand ad and often you wouldn't see many conversions on for example display ads or um mm -hmm. and you would see a lot of conversions coming from um a brand campaign but when you actually change the attribution models you might uh, for example to a first click or position based you'll be able to see that okay the first interaction is actually from the shopping ad and then the second or the last one is from the brand campaign. So it just, you know, if you didn't change this attribution model, you would be like, oh, my shopping campaigns are not performing. I'm just going to pause them. And then your brand campaigns wouldn't be performing either because, you know, there wouldn't be this initial touch point uh, with the customer. So it feels like this is potentially going to, you know, playing with different attribution models is potentially going to mean that more advertisers are inclined to invest in top of funnel type searches than they previously would mm -hmm. have because you know typically top of funnel is going to give you fewer, fewer conversions using last click um yeah it's true but i think it's very important to be actually investing into this top of the funnel and like brand brand campaigns um because it, this is how your customers find you and it's important mm. to, um, you know, it, it's the overall marketing mix because you might be thinking if you're looking at the last click, you'll be like, oh, this isn't working. The only thing that is working for the last click is something completely very different. Mm. Mm. Well, ladies, this has been fascinating and encouraging. Um, thank you for your rays of hope 
in this scary world of losing data uh, for Facebook. But yeah, I, I really do hope that this leads to a kind of renaissance. I was thinking earlier, as we've got more data, as Mark says, as we've got more and more data, has it led to better marketers and has it led to better advertising? Because you would think that the more data we have at our disposal, the better advertising and marketing will get. And actually looking at the greats of advertising, they're all from a previous era where, you know, the data that they had maybe was like a focus group of 15 people. And but they were forced to hone their craft. They were forced to really understand their customers' drivers and to get inside their customers on a on a kind of human level rather than just looking at like reams and reams of data. So my personal hope is that we move more towards that and less towards algorithmic. Every human is a you know organic unit providing a, an impression and you know. <laughs> I'm hoping that we go more towards that way. I, I don't know what your take on this is. And am I just living a pipe dream? No, I think I agree. I completely agree. And um, I think we, are, we need to find the balance between data and between our own knowledge on how the audiences behave and what is with our target customer. Um, so it's, it needs to be like a data-driven analysis, but also we need to have the human side and human analysis. Um, and it, I think it's also going to be interesting because from a user's perspective, we might be very worried about our data and how it's being used and how it's being um, monitored by this type of platform. But also we are very used to getting highly targeted ads so it's going to be a change mm. because for users who are going to decline on the tracking from apps, they might start in, they might start to get uh, less targeted ads, and that's going to be different. And I'm not sure that people are going to like it. So that's going to be a change. So we we need to see what's going to happen with that. Yeah. So you asked for it. <laughs> situation. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Well, anything to add, Lenka? Um, no, I, I agree um, with everything that was just said. Just continue doing marketing in a strategic way and um, respect people's privacy. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I guess it's important to recognize that all of this is happening for, you know, it's happening for the right reasons, right? This is, this is a fundamental human rights thing. And however annoying it is to lose conversion visibility, <laughs> we can't lose sight of that. <laughs> well, ladies, thank yeah. you so much for joining and sharing your expertise. This has been awesome. Oh, thank you for inviting us. Uh, thank you. And thanks everyone for tuning in. See you next time. <laughs>